sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast California's extraordinary year of wildfires has spawned another new milestone, the first gigafire, a blaze spanning one million acres, according to The Guardian. California Governor Gavin Newsom had this to say about the climate catastrophe engulfing his state. I'm a little bit uh, exhausted uh, that we have to continue to bait this issue. This is a climate damn emergency. This is real. And it's happening This is the perfect storm. It is happening unprecedented ways, year in, year out. The response from the White House by the Tangerine Caligula was of a completely different tenor. Please remember the words, very simple. Forest management, please remember that. It's about forest management and other things, but forest management. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti was not afraid to put the president back in his place as the U.S. election looms. Uh, It's been very clear uh, that years of drought, as we're seeing, whether it's too much water and too much rain in parts of our country right now or too little, this is climate change. And this is an administration that's put its head in the sand. Greg Mullins, thanks very much for joining Environmental as Anything today. Happy to do it, Sean. You're internationally recognised expert in responding to major bushfires. You've served as the Commissioner of Fire and Rescue in New South Wales. Uh, you've been fighting fires, I, I've read in, uh, in various articles, since you were 12 years old. Uh, so, so thank you, first off, for all of the good work you've done over the decades uh, to, to help protect us from that, uh, the, the horror. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's been an interesting ride. And, you know, the reason we're talking today is about environment, of course. And in that 49 years, nearly 50 years that I've been fighting fires, and my father was a volunteer firefighter before me. He served for about 63 years. Um, and I've watched the environment change. And, mm. you know, and scientists told me, well, this is not natural. The environment does not change this quickly. Um, in a in a natural sense, so human activities have changed how bushfires and other natural disasters impact us. Yes, it's clearly changing, and uh, the, the the community widely uh, waking up to uh, the realities of the the climate emergency, which is helping to uh, to fuel or to to supercharge these uh, fire events that we're experiencing around the world. And yet, still, I encounter people who uh, say. Uh, you know, that they blame the Greenies for the fires or that they think the Greenies somehow stood in the way of preventing or fighting those fires. What would your response to be to that kind of talk? Uh, I, I get the same sort of thing. And um, look, I even get it from sections of the media uh, and a well-known section of the media that's uh, run by a climate denialist in chief. Mm. Um, and frankly, I just ignore them. But, you know, these statements, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday, just met them out of the blue and they got talking about fires and they told me very earnestly how the greenies have done this and how arsonists lit all the fires. So I just gently let him know, well, um, that's a load of rubbish. Uh, The the greens aren't in power and don't make laws. Um, People like the Nature Conservation Council, National Parks Association have very 
enlightened policies on hazard reduction burning and encourage it because the bush needs fire. They are true environmentalists are pro-burning, not anti-burning. Mm. Um, and the majority of the major bushfires last year were started by lightning, not by arsonists. So there's, there's a lot of untruths out there. And I think it was Queensland University found that a lot of the Facebook information pushing this um, were run by bots. And I don't, mm. I'm a bit of an old fella, so I don't really know what bots are, but um, they said it was similar to misinformation campaigns by the Russians. Mm. So there are people out there who don't want the truth about climate change to get to the, the masses. So um, yeah. look, if you're espousing, they're not views, espousing those lies, uh, stop because it's not true and it makes you look really stupid. Fair enough. Obviously, you know, part of the reason that I've reached out to you to talk today is because, you know, California and um, Washington and Oregon, the West Coast of the United States is ablaze, um, recently declared the first digger fire, which uh, I think means that it's gone beyond a, a single fire, which has gone beyond a million hectares in size. Uh, you've been over to California, and uh, what what, are, what are, have you observed about these current, uh, you know, this current gigafire? And what how would what parallels or or lessons can be drawn from it uh, regarding our own uh, fire experiences? Well, look, I've watched California very closely over the years because there seems to be a bit of a correlation between, or there used to be a correlation between their bad fire seasons and our bad fire seasons, and we often follow them. Um, 1993, they had the Southern California firestorm, then New South Wales was afflicted with huge fires, 1967 Bel Air fires, and then we had 1968. So there was a bit of a loose correlation. So I've, I've been a bit of a fire nerd since I was a little kid watching my dad rush off to fight fires. Mm. And, um, and studied it quite deeply. My first trip to California was 1995, Fort Fires in Los Angeles County, San Diego County, um, went up to Boise, Idaho to the Interagency Fire Center. So I've studied at the US Fire Academy and I was back at the Kincaid Fire and it was about this time last year. Now, what's happening in California is um, they're the canary in the coal mine. Um, I've been watching how much worse it's becoming. And I've got a lot of friends over there, Ken Pimlot, who is the ex-chief of CAL FIRE, um, the statewide bushfire agency over there. And I've, I've spoken to scientists, and what's happening there, 30% um, reduction in long-term rainfall, back-to-back uh, -back droughts, um, less snow. So up in the north, the reduced snowpack means that uh, there's a particular type of beetle that burrows into the bark of trees right. and every year in winter they die because it became cold um, but with the reduced snow they don't die so all those trees millions of acres of trees have died increasing the fuel loads um, which president trump's think trump thinks they should rake away and then there's no problem yeah. and that's very frustrating to the fire authorities in um, California, they're incredibly insulted by mm. what President Trump's been saying, um, mm. despite their best efforts. But look, um, 2017, 10,000 buildings burned. 2018, 20,000 buildings burned and about 100 people lost their lives. The 
city of paradise was wiped off the map. It's just been impacted by fires again. Yeah. Last year wasn't as bad a season, but they had big fires, including the one I went to, Kincaid Fire. And this year, nearly 9,000 buildings already, and October is their worst month. The Santorana winds will kick in. And look, all of the experts are saying this is climate change in action. We're getting extreme weather as we had last year or this last fire season here and there's worse to come. Um, so it's quite frightening. Mm. There was a, a quote that I've got out of uh, a, 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 an article from The Guardian, which is, uh, if you don't like all the climate disasters happening in 2020, I have some bad news for, for you for the, about the rest of your life. According to Andrew Dressler, Dessler, a climate sci uh, scientist at Texas A&M University, so it does seem to be widely acknowledged amongst those in the know that that that's the uh, the driving force behind this. And yet, as you say, uh, uh, you know, the tangerine Caligula gets up and uh, starts spouting off about forest management. It, it, it seems to be uh, like a, a pee and shell trick. Just let's let's hide the truth. Well, look, we saw this um, when together with. 22 of my former colleagues and former chiefs from every fire service, chiefs and deputy chiefs from every fire service in Australia, from some national parks and forestry agencies, SES. Um, we called on the Prime Minister from April 2019 to take more action to assist the state and territories with bushfire, with money for aircraft that had been asked for mm. um, 18 months before but ignored. Um, streamlining how to use the military and logistics and support functions to release more people onto fire trucks. And um, because we mentioned climate change, we were ignored and sidelined. And you might recall uh, we held a press conference of five former chiefs from Queensland, uh, Victoria, New South Wales and um, Tasmania. And we we were, we were told by politicians, you know, it's... Um, it's not nice for you to be talking about climate change when people are losing their homes. <laughs> um, it's not nice that they're losing their homes in the first place. And no. I've had a career of watching people um, on the worst day of their lives, um, enduring great tragedy and trauma. And the first thing they all ask is why. Mm. When you have a train crash, when you have a huge block of flats in London burning, People mm. want to know why, and it's not out of bounds. It's actually one of the first questions they want to know. How mm. the hell did this happen? Mm. And we weren't going to be muzzled. So um, there was an eventual change in the political rhetoric. We were called inner city raving lunatics and all sorts of things. Yeah, I'm quite proud of the label if that means that we're switched on to what the threat is. Um, we know what's coming down the pipe if we don't do anything about it. And we're speaking out about it. Mm. So, um, but it, it, there's there's a been a huge push for decades to stop climate, climate scientists and other experts from getting any airplay or um, getting the word out because it's very inconvenient to the highly profitable fossil fuel lobby. Yes, yes, indeed, and 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 the the federal politics of this are you know critical, aren't they? And and right now, this week, we've obviously had the federal budget released, and you mentioned the idea that you've been calling for quite a long time for you know increased 
targeted funding for specific strategic assets for, for, for the uh, firefighting workers. Uh, do you see anything in this budget to give you hope or what would you like to have seen done more of if, there, if, if not? Uh, look, not as Kerrick, um, but I, I'm not going to pass judgment yet because the Royal Commission will hand down its report at the end of October. Um, actually spoke to Minister David Littleproud last week and reading between the lines, I think they're anticipating, the government's anticipating where the Royal Commission will go, its interim report and uh, draft propositions gave a good indication of that. I think the government is looking at some major changes. Um, but as I said to him, you can fill the country with firefighters, fire trucks. Well, I didn't say it exactly, but... Um, you know, more aircraft. But if no action is taken on emissions, this is just a slow-moving tsunami that's going to swamp us. We can't cope with the sort of fires that are this drying, um, desiccating landscape just because, you know, 1.4 degrees of warming in Australia, about 1.1 worldwide, we're heading for possibly three to five degrees at the end of the century with current emissions. And I, I can't imagine what that's like. Mm. Um, and, but my grandkids will see it. Mm. And I, I feel a great, a huge moral obligation to speak out and say to our government, now that you have acknowledged and every bushfire inquiry has acknowledged that climate change is driving this threat, um, you must act on it, not pretend by you know, buying more aircraft or whatever, all that's necessary, but you actually have to dial down the heat and then lean on other countries because we'll have the high moral ground if we do act uh, yep. to do the right thing. Have to address the causes, hey? Exactly, exactly. And it's I, I use the analogy often of um, if a pot of water on the stove is boiling over, you don't just put a lid on it or <laughs> keep mopping it up. You turn the bloody thing off. Yeah. Um, so... Turn it off, Scott. <laughs> good point. Good call. Um, look, uh, Greg, thank you so much for your time today. I'm, I'm going to have to wrap it up, but I did just want to, before we close off, um, ask you the, you know, we're, we're experiencing a cluster of, uh, of crises. It's a climate emergency, obviously, looming over us all. But in the meantime, we've also got the, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic uh, sweeping through, and, and that's uh, going to make it even harder to deal with uh, the problems, the immediate problems of uh, a fire season. If we have something like last year come through again, it's going to make it very difficult with the uh, with the COVID, isn't it? Well, look, it is. And, and look, first bit of good news, I suppose, is that the moisture profile in the forests, grasslands is much different to last year. Extremely unlikely that we'll experience anything like last year. Last year's not the new normal, it's the new extreme. So yeah. every five, six years or so, we can expect, unfortunately, something along those lines, but not this year. Um, the La Nina will lead to more rain, probably more cyclones, so we could have a different set of problems. And look, COVID, um, yes, it's drained Treasury coffers in states, territories and Canberra, which is a big worry. Um, but look, on the bright side, the government listened to scientists, listened to experts and acted quickly and decisively. That's what we need on climate. That's mm. what we need on emissions, because otherwise we're just dooming future generations. Mm. 
Yes. So um, what should people do in concerned about dooming future generations? What, what, what can we do, to, particularly with the... Do we, should we all race out and join our local fire brigades? Um, is, it, is it, you know, or is it just... A, should we all just be taking political action? What do you think is... Uh, we should, what's the combination of effects we should be trying to achieve here? Look, I'd, I'd always say, you know, if you're inclined to volunteer in an emergency service or, a, um, you know, the Red Cross or any, anything that gets out there and helps people... Please do it, but get political. Don't be quiet, compliant Australians. Um, be loud, concerned Australians. Um, be responsible in everything you do, but make it clear to politicians that it's not acceptable to sit back and just let this slow-moving disaster overwhelm us. They must take action, and if they don't, boot them out and vote in someone who will take action. Greg, thank you so much for your, your wise words and your, your, your courage uh, in being able to speak out in the face of uh, all of that sort of opposition and, and indeed your courage in having stood up against uh, you know, those, those fires over the decades. So th thanks for, for sharing that with us. No, well, um, thanks for talking to me about it, Sean, helping to get the message out because this is critical and mm. um, we are seeing compounding events. They're getting worse and worse and that's the trajectory, unfortunately. Yep. That was former New South Wales Commissioner for Fire and Rescue, Greg Mullins. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental as Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.